Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Hey, Real Nerds listeners. There's many ways you can interact with the Real Nerds podcast. You can email us at realnerds at gmail.com. You can hit us on Twitter at Real Nerds. You want to check us out on Facebook? You can. Just look for Real Nerds Podcast. You want to leave us a voicemail? Just call 720-6NERDS5. Want to listen to our episodes? You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, this is Adventure Lounge. My name's Jagger. And I'm Zach. And we're on Real Nerds. Come check out the awesome crossover episode. Welcome to Renlerd's Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I'm Brad, one of your hosts, and the other host is... Zach. And every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. So stay tuned to the end of the show where we will uh, give a synopsis of our review, we'll play the trailer, and then we'll go into depth and spoil it for is, you. Is, is there depth? <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't bury don't, yeah yeah i know yeah don't, don't spoil the whole thing. <laughs> yeah no i'm sorry we talk about other fun positive things though, yeah. too <laughs> um yeah and then uh yeah once the show's over you can uh yeah, berate us for our our position on this movie this week yeah go ahead and tell like me the, rest of the internet you know what go ahead and tell me that i'm just you know lame or whatever the case may be i don't know do kids still say lame these nah. days they don't nah nah bro nah bro <laughs> nah bro <laughs> Um, you're the man now, dog. But I'll just go see Birds of Prey again instead. So, woo, yeah. Um, or you can see a movie that I saw that we'll talk about in the "What We've Been Watching" segment. Um, but before all that, we go around town with me. Uh, we talk about uh, Blu-ray and DVD releases, uh, movie news, and what we've been watching. So let's get started with what's going on around town. Brad, what is going on around town? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. This week, the uh, Esquire Midnight is the Princess Bride. So, as you wish, that's nice. Yeah, um, I want to watch that in a big screen. That might be a yeah. I always say like I'll go to a midnight, and then I just forget about the midnight entirely. <laughs> so back when they were doing still doing film reels, I went to the midnight, well, and yeah. the reel was missing scenes because the projector the projectionist would clip them out and take them home. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the yeah, I went and saw it, and the person I was with were just like, "Let's just go get the DVD and watch it." All. <laughs> when when they were doing the film reel, what was your favorite screening that you had there? Um, in a thirty five print, would you say? Oh gosh, I don't know. I could tell you mine. Okay, Back to the Future. Um, I uh, I was I got off of work one night. Um, I worked at a movie theater, and you close at that point. I had a closing at eleven p.m. shift. So I had an hour before the movie started, but I didn't have any money at the time. And I found a $20 bill on the <laughs> ground of the parking lot, not too far from my car. And I was just like, I'm going to midnight. And they had Back to the Future on film. They had the DeLoreans outside. And I think like 
the way they were pitching it was that like it was uh stereo sound or something like that so it was like it was a it was a different audio um quality than normally they were getting but it was just fantastic just like everybody was hooting and hollering and getting into the lines and whatnot so like you know i love back to the future you know not as much as you obviously but you know that was like one of those experiences where i'm just like man like this movie does fucking rock hands down yeah i love when they have the deloreans out front but uh, it is the 30th anniversary of the third one so they should definitely put that on the schedule this year Mm. that'd be awesome you know oh that reminds me um in a couple of days you might get a note um from me uh from uh i don't know like uh about 150 years ago or something like that saying that i'm in trouble but don't come after me and then i need you to get into a delorean and come after me but then discover that i'm going to be shot in the back over a matter of 80 dollars. you know you're no no doc brown right yeah. Like, I'm just going to leave you in yeah. 1885. Actually, if anything, you'll be the one who shoots me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what's going on around town. Sweet. Uh, how about uh, movie news? How about movie news? It's real news. This week. Yeah. Um, why don't we go ahead and start off with the one I wasn't expecting, which is we got Batman footage. <laughs> Yeah, we got a short clip here. of the Batman. Yeah, which is just, it's a camera test. And, um, I mean, if people aren't familiar, would be, prior to going into production or anything like that, you do do a camera test to see how people look. This one looks way more intentional, obviously. And uh, it's clear Matt Reeves knew what he was doing because it's a big old red filter on there. And Rob Pattinson uh, looks like he's about ready to kick ass. Uh, that suit looks interesting. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it should be interesting to find out what's going on with the emblem on the chest. Because it looks like it's digital or like not digital, like like a hardware. It looks like hardware is attached to it. Uh, it, it might be a reference to Detective Comics 1000, uh, where Kevin Smith actually wrote a story where the emblem is made out of the gun that Joe Chill used to kill his parents. Ooh. Like he melted it down and like forged it into the, the bat symbol. Does does that mean Kevin Smith's going to have a presence in the new Batman movie? Or influencing it. But at the same time, I'm like, well, how did... Like in the comic, he buys the gun from like an auction house or something. But I, it just seems weird that that would be a thing. Mm. Like I, someone would actually get a hold of that gun and like put it in an auction. Yeah. You know, there's some weirdos out there. I mean, you like what was it John Wayne Gacy sells his paintings and shit, and you can buy it. Like you know, like people sell weird shit, man. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, there's conf- there's Confederate memorabilia still sold in this country. I'm not surprised that somebody was able to sell Joe Chill's gun. <laughs> and yeah, the red filter definitely makes it look like a promo for Daredevil. So <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but that's you that's didn't not catch un- that. I didn't- I didn't really like put two and two together. I was just kind of like, oh, oh, cool. It's I, I mean, when it says the Batman, my focus is Batman. But, yeah, but no, yeah, like, that kind of camera move, and then the red filter is just seems like you might as well just pour like the red ink over it. <laughs> just be like, nah, but Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pattinson though, jawline look killer in that bat mask, man. So I'm excited for it. Like the the Nolan ones. Uh, the cowl covers up a lot of the face, which makes sense. Like if you don't want to get shot in the face. Mm-hmm. So uh, Pattinson's one's so exposed. It seems a little. Well, I'm wondering also one thing I thought though, like, is this the only suit? And the only reason I brought that up until you clarified what the suit might be referencing was, it's just like, well, this suit looks incomplete. So maybe there's like other suits that he uses or he upgrades at the end or something like that. Or, I mean, every Batman movie, they've had it technically like a slightly different costume, like 
the the two Keaton ones, uh, the chest plate's different. Yeah. And the cowl's more refined. Um, and then the cowl's in uh, Forever and Robin are really pointy. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, in Forever, um, you know, he gets, like, the color is taken out. Um, and then... Uh, nipples yeah, put or, on. <laughs> yeah, nipples put on. And then Batman and Robin, they have, like, the ice, the ice costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the Nolan ones, uh, like, the... the cowl becomes the motorcycle helmet style in the second one yeah um i gotta yeah. say like in batman begins i do like that like it's it's kind of like not quite the keaton one but kind of the keaton one yeah because they're still like working off like a single solid rubber suit yeah exactly and i um, i love i still love in the dark knight how they explain like it's just like well i need something different because i can't turn my fucking head yeah. <laughs> but the, the cool thing about the begins costume is like it has that thick neck so it seems more like imposing mm-hmm so anyway, it, that but po- yeah, it is restrictive. The poster, not the main poster for Batman Begins, but I think it's one of the like DVD ones or whatever. But it shows just like the 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 bust of his head. Essentially, it looks like a straight up like a horrific kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, and then in the second one, it's fire. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Bill said like while playing it like with that that version of the costume, like he just felt like this panther that was like slinking around and. <laughs> I wanted him to. Did, did he say that aloud in an interview, or is that just something you read? I, I, I might have read it somewhere. I'm like a panther. Yeah. <laughs> I told that panther, get out of my eye line. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I'll move on to some sadder DC news. Um, so last week we saw a really cool movie called Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh, and you should go see Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. It's a very good movie. But, but appara- you have to find it yeah, by ex- a different title. Exactly. You'll now have to call it uh, Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, the most generic name-branded, like market-tested name on the planet. So I'm 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 sad about this for two reasons. Number one, why didn't you guys go see Birds of Prey? Everybody says comic book movies are on the rise and it's dominating the industry. I'm just like, well, they didn't go to see the good ones, so I don't understand what's going on here. The second thing is, is that movie titles like that, I understand that they're annoying for the ticket servers, but they're creative. They're fun. They're popular. They're in the spirit of that character. Like yeah, exactly. Um, like Birdman and the Virtue of Ignorance, or the Virtue of Ignorance. Like, I mean, I know it's like kind of a mouthful, but like you could still just call it Birdman. Yeah, and just because Birds of Prey is the biggest thing in that structure of the title doesn't mean it's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it is Harley Quinn's movie, more or less. Yeah, and just because the title character's name is at the end doesn't mean that's not the, you know, doesn't mean it's the subtitle. Yeah, but this thing kind of so it kind of rolled out in a weird way because like at first they were just like oh they're changing the names on the, on every on one of the sites so maybe they're just trying to do it but now it's like every every single ticketing server has this name change yeah on it. which is fine like that makes sense uh, uh, it is so long that yeah it doesn't fit on the the ticketing screen and I will admit it is hard to see that title when you're buying a ticket like I I had a bit of trouble finding it for. Um, at amc and then i found it at alamo and it was a little bit easier because their font's bigger but yeah um but as long as it's on the poster and the in the blu-ray then i'm good i mean i mean you re- i mean not to spoil your what we've been watching but you saw it again did they change the actual title in the movie no not on the uh, not in the actual film itself now okay cool cool no no that's good yeah i think it's really just a ticketing thing so that when people search for it it comes up yeah but still that's it's kind of a bummer but you yeah, know whatever people just can't Stan creativity. Yeah, no, I, but if it does, if they do change the name for the Blu-ray cover, then that will be like 
it's like the opposite of what happened with the live die repeat edge of tomorrow uh, all you need is kill tom cruisathon I, I i like the last name better tom cruisathon um uh but yeah moving on uh we'll move into a different uh superhero universe of the simpsons are gonna do a full-on marvel episode and reason i bring this up is they're gonna make kevin feige their thanos villain in the episode so i'm actually very excited for that interesting yeah um but matt selman broke the news i've uh, been a long time ep on that show and writer so um yeah it should be interesting um so we watched the Oscars last week, as we all know, and uh, we saw history being made and whatnot. Uh, we also saw two stars of a of a big budget flop uh, throw their movie under the bus when James Corden and Rebel Wilson uh, did a, a joke on Cats and its visual effects. And the Visual Effects Society, rightfully so, is not very happy with what they did. <laughs> um, the The gag, if you want to look it up, it's that they are introducing the VFX category and they basically say, like, as as the stars of the film Cats, we know how important visual effects are. And this comes off the heels of their film doing a campaign, but then quietly retreating after the film was a critical and box office bomb. Um, yeah, and the Visual Effects Society was rightfully upset because, like, they worked their asses off and they retouched a lot of shit for a another version that went out that studio went out of business too so yeah and uh also by the way our film this week the vfx company that redid sonic they're out of business too so uh it it, it seems like a big slap in the face to uh make fun of vfx like i mean i don't necessarily love vfx films all the time but those artists work their asses off so so yeah that's um there was a they, they had a big bone to pick with them rightfully so so here's hoping we start respecting those animators a little bit more um, and then the last thing is the French Dispatch trailer. Came I out. know. Um, Wes Anderson's new. It seems like a vin- seems like a sequel to Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably a little more updated, but like, but it keeps changing not just formats, but uh, color palettes, and obviously it goes from like color to black and white in a couple different formats. So I'm wondering if it's vignettes. Um, and I mean, the title it seems kinda, like an anthology film, which, so it's like a bunch of little mini films. And yeah, I mean, there's probably going to be a main wraparound, but like, which is obviously the offices of the French Dispatch itself. But I'm curious to see what he does with that kind of anthology thing. Like, it, it's not that he gets close with the Grand Budapest Hotel, but there are episodic. There's an episodic nature to that film in, in a certain way. Yeah, but they're all connected. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like, this feels like they're all just separate stories. Yeah, which actually it makes sense if it's about a newspaper telling different stories. You can kind of go off of that, and it'll mm-hmm. be fun. And it also explains why some of the stars that were previously announced aren't on the main cast, because it looks like the main cast is the people who work at the dispatch office, and then the other stars, like a Christoph Waltz or a um, Saoirse Ronan, are off to the side is because they're probably part of the stories inside the paper. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but it looks fun. Cannot yeah, wait. Yeah, it looks great. Um, I did have one more piece of news. Uh, movie Phone is bankrupt, and it's only being run by one employee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I don't know why. I just I just wanted to bring that up. This was uh, announced today. Um, and also, Rick Moranis is returning for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel at uh, Disney+. Plus. Um, congratulations. You found a way to get him by offering him probably a lot of money because <laughs> he hasn't done anything beyond this for a long ass time, except for like his country or is it folk music. I don't know. He does music of some sort. So, but anyway, that is news. Cool. What's coming out on Blu-ray this week? DVD releases and Blu-rays. 
Um, Academy Award winner Jojo Rabbit uh, coming out to 4K and Blu-ray. Um, don't see a steelbook here, so I'm assuming there's none. There is none. Uh, I'm so disappointed. Boo, boo. I would have loved to see the like the the hand silhouette poster is the steelbook, but yeah. I'm sure it exists probably in Europe, and we'll never get it. Yeah, I'll say though that cover that cover could be way worse. It could be as stupid as the Ready or Not one. At least um, it's based on one of the existing posters. Exactly. I, I just like the steelbook part of it yeah exactly um also uh roland emmerich's movie midway uh is coming out in 4k you can check that out i didn't see it i'm curious only because i like world war ii movies but i'm sure it's not great it does have a steelbook Ooh, how does midway have a steelbook but jojo rabbit doesn't jojo rabbit one <laughs> anyway uh also a beautiful day in the neighborhood with tom hanks coming out in 4k and blu-ray um Let's see. 21 Bridges uh, with Chadwick Boseman and Sienna Miller. Wasn't this supposed to come out in theaters? I'm really confused. It did. It was out for like two months. Wow. Okay. I'm really behind. That's amazing. Um, uh, Warner Archive is putting out Tex Avery Screwball Classics Collection Volume 1 on Blu-ray. You can check that out. This is really cool. They've remastered a lot of Tex Avery's MGM fare. So it's not the stuff he did at Warner Brothers prior to leaving and joining MGM. Uh, but you should check those out because, uh, hey, anytime you can see Droopy Dog in, in glorious Blu-ray, like, I'm all down for that. Um, uh, Screen Factory is putting out something called X the Unknown uh, from 1956. You can check it out. Uh, the, the, the tagline is, it kills but cannot be killed. X the Unknown. Rated X. <laughs> um, the complete series of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is coming to Blu-ray. Uh, Shout Select is putting out the Gus Van, Sim- Gus Van Sant film Jerry from 2002. And uh, that looks like it's about it, unless I'm missing something that you're aware of. Now I was going to mention uh, a little bit news-related. Uh, Criterion Collection is going to put out Parasite. Yeah, uh, along with another... Um, by the end of the year. Yeah. So I think was, oh, there's also another Bong Joon-ho movie they're putting out, like Memories of a Murder or... Yeah. You think it's the second film? I want to say, um, um, but yeah. So if if you because I uh, the parasite came out as a normal release, I think two weeks ago. So yeah, um, you might want to wait because yeah. they're going to do something special for that. I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm sure the Blu-ray that you probably have right now is fine, but be ready to upgrade, guys. Be ready to upgrade. Criterion doing really good. If they can just get the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Dolomite is my name in that collection, I will be totally fine. <laughs> They're not going to do Dolomite, but I have hope for Buster Scruggs because it's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's it. There's a lot of anime. Oh, Kino Lobert's putting out uh, The Man Who Was Sherlock Holmes, um, uh, which is something I've never heard of before, uh, but it's a, it looks like it's an older film. Uh, so, yeah, you want to check that out? Cool. And, yeah, that's it. Let's talk about what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Um, I'm actually going to go first because I feel like I'm going to forget how to talk about these. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what did you watch I this I don't do it right now. Um, well, yeah, I, re- I rewatched Birds of Prey. Still fun. Um, uh, Four Feet Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit again, I saw. Um, okay, I'll start with uh, I, the midnight last week was Candyman. Candyman. Ah, right. oh, damn it. You went to great events this weekend, and I'm pissed that I forgot that they were happening. Uh, I wish Ryan was here because I know he'd love to talk about it. Like I thought it was meh. Really? Well, that's that's wrong. But it, okay, it, it's, it seemed 
kind of cheesy. Uh, the the story is um, this Revolutionary War guy um, gets lynched, and then um, Tony Todd <laughs> gets supernatural powers and uses them to terrorize people who say his name in the mirror for like four or five times. Yeah, you're forgetting the environment that uh, the Candyman dwells in and how that could be relevant. The projects? Yep. Yeah, I didn't get there yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for, in Virginia Madsen's like um, some college researcher person. Yeah, she's doing a thesis on um, on uh, urban, urban legends. legends. Yeah. Yeah, and, and her husband um, works at the college too. Mm. Anyway, she teams up and tries to explore this Candyman legend and it ends up consuming her and ruining her life and um yeah yeah um pretty great movie <laughs> yeah it's kind of cheesy in places especially when there's a shot of her at the end where she's like uh rescuing the the baby out of the fire yeah, 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 in the yeah, junkyard yeah. in front of the projects and it go like within a frame it goes from like her her hair is on fire to being completely like melted and bald in the next shot it's a horror movie <laughs> i, I like, don't know which one <laughs> Um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I could see how it would be perceived that, I mean, I rewatched it last year when I got the Scream Factory version and I was just blown away by how effective it, it held up. Like, I mean, and the fact that it is telling that relevant of a story within the confines of that horror film is fantastic. And Tony Todd's fucking great. <laughs> He's great in it, but yeah. it, and some of like the rules of the world were confusing. Like sometimes I wasn't sure like what, how he affected things like it seemed like he was either in like an ethereal universe or he was in real life at times like he burns up at the end of that fire but it's like why because he's usually like the scene before that it feels like it's in her head i don't know i think it's kind of mm, i need to rewatch the this one and the other the sequels too but um it it's consume it's the curse is consuming her so it's like it's Things are happening around her because she's the one who said the name. Nobody else said the name. Yeah, so. I'm just like, why does what's happening to her in the real world affect world affecting him? I don't, but I, then once once she kills him, though, spoilers for Candyman, she becomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the 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 Candyman of sorts. Um, but yeah, right on, cool. Yeah, glad um, we really got to see it on a big screen, though. I'm sure it looked pretty go good. Yeah, I guess for a 1992 movie. Yeah. Um, I did, uh, I actually want to pass free pass in trivia, um, because I, I actually knew uh, like a tangential answer to a question. <laughs> so not having ever seen Can Candyman before I was able to win at trivia. <laughs> um, the guy just said like, what's this? Uh, there's a character in this movie that is in another movie, uh, from 1991. And then, uh, what was the answer? Sounds of the Lambs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. Hmm. I forget what character is though. Uh, the other thing I watched, I saw the Oscar shorts, uh, live action and animation, and there's not really much to say. I, I didn't enjoy most of them. Um, and then for the live action ones, the guy who introduced it said, "Like, don't worry. Unlike last year, these aren't as depressing and soul crushing as last year's." Well, because last year's lineup was depressing. <laughs> and he was fucking lying. <laughs> <laughs> they were really? still depressing and I still soul crushing. I still haven't watched it yet, but man, like really, like even like even worse maybe than last year. Or? I, don't, I, I mean, I'm not expecting you to remember every short from last year. But. Yeah, I, 
the general feeling is about the same. It's just like mm. the world is bleak and depressing. Well, it is. Uh, <laughs> like one of them was uh, this family is living in an apartment in New York and they they uh, start spying on the family across the street mm-hmm. and uh, the family across the street, like initially their life seems amazing because they're young and they're partying and the, the, the family that we come in on uh, for the story, like they have kids and they're they getting old and they, they, they're just kind of look longingly at what's going on across the way. And as they go through the next couple of months, they see that relationship deteriorate because the, the boyfriend has cancer or the husband has cancer. Oh. And then they see like how great their life really is. But hmm. um, another one was like the human trafficking one where, um, you know, you think it's just an orphanage at first and then the orphanage is selling the girls to hmm. people and then they try to escape they get caught again and then uh, they start a fire in their in their cells and they kill themselves so that was not <laughs> depressing yeah. too that was Syria. um yeah the neighbor's window was the other one i was talking about so these are all the live action ones um yeah i forget like the other three and the world's bleak um oh yeah the one that won i think was brotherhood right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the best oscar one yeah yeah that one's was like uh there's this family and the one the son uh, I guess was in ISIS mm. and he comes home and then um, I nodded off a little bit in it, but I kind of got the gist that the dad ratted him out. And so they ended up coming and like kidnapping, not just him, but also his brothers. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, animation wise. Um, I really like Kitbull. That's the, the Pixar only one. That's the, that's one of them I haven't seen. Like the only, actually the only one I've seen is hair love. Cause it was, promoted all over the place yeah i actually fell asleep a little bit in that one so i, I don't know how it ended it, you can watch it online i'm sure yeah. that's how i was able to find it but um but kipple was really cute but it's also a pixar one so um and it's not a traditional pixar one from what i've been told like it's not like because it was from their like animation development program yeah it's like a development thing yeah, yeah. um and then i forget what the other ones were i'm sure there's a list somewhere i just read off it but anyway <laughs> yeah, i saw those and they're all right um, and I watched. Uh, speaking of Batman, I watched Good Time, mm. which I thought was okay. Um, it I feel like it ends really abruptly. Um, mm. like the movie goes through so many twists and turns to try and solve. So the story of Good Time is uh, there's these two brothers. Uh, Pattinson plays the the one who's leading the heist schemes and he's got a brother who is uh mentally challenged he's played by benny safty i think yeah one of the directors yeah one of the safties yeah um so they rob a bank Mm. um fairly easily uh but the bank puts in like a color charge in the bag so they get caught uh except pattinson is able to run away while his brother gets uh arrested and thrown in prison he gets beat up in prison and gets put into a hospital. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Pattinson, you know, fearing, obviously he's not going to do well. Um, so Pattinson does everything he can to try to get him out. Um, he doesn't have enough money from the stuff they stole to provide bail. So he starts grifting his girlfriend and all these other people throughout the night. Um, and then, yeah, so all these really, they get, like go to amusement park to try to find some cash that was stowed away stowed away uh from a drug deal mm. um 
and yeah, like everything goes wrong. Um, and he's terrible. He takes advantage of people left and right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, gets caught in the end and it just comes, feels like it's just out of like just the pacing, like everything seems so slow. And then all of a sudden, you know, like after everything's done, he just walks out of his apartment and gets caught. <laughs> well, it's, and there's a, there's an angle on it that it's because he's, he's, he finally comes to the realization that he's not good for his brother and he needs, he needs to flat out just give, like, separate himself from that equation so then that way his brother can succeed with the group at the very beginning that his brother is, um, a part of or being asked to join, um, for the, for, uh, mentally, dis- mentally disabled people. So, um, thematically i i like the film but i have not watched it since henry and i went to go see it primarily because it gave me anxiety not too dissimilar from how uncut gems gave me anxiety so yeah it's definitely a visceral movie i still don't understand like the title because they're having a good time like it's 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 it's, it's like a good time to me it's ironic (laughs) (laughs) Um, very ironic like he does nothing good (laughs) no no. Um, like, well, the one thing he does is you don't even see it in the movie, but you just hear about it that he confessed to the crime mm-hmm. on behalf of his brother, so he can get out. Yeah, which is the thing he should have done from the very beginning. Right, but he had to learn the lesson. I don't. It wasn't until he was in that cop car that I think anything clicked for him. Mm. Um, like it wasn't an option before that at all. Uh, yeah, and then I also watched um, uh, two movies that for some reason I really focused on the credits of uh so i uh i've been watching ford v ferrari a lot so i i i uh got excited to watch 310 to yuma uh which is another james mangold movie mm-hmm. um well like a remake so it's not entirely his i'm but, sure people understand <laughs> uh but yeah anyway they misspelled the original writers <laughs> from the, the the movie they remade uh they the original writer's name was misspelled which and you were saying in the how does com- that happen? Yeah, and you were saying in the commentary they fully address it. I can't remember what the post said that no. you posted. So like, so so the name that's on the movie is the wrong one. Yeah, when you watch <laughs> Three Ten to Yuma, the writers' credits, mm-hmm. the Halstead Wells, the letters are mixed up. Mm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no one mentions it in the commentary, but I did watch the movie with the commentary, and uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, some of the stuff that the tricks they did to solve the problems they had on that movie. Uh, for instance, uh, they shot in Santa Fe. It snowed like the most snow ever, apparently in 2006. Um, so they had to, you know, like six feet of snow in this town they built, this Western town for the finale. And, you know, James Mangold says that if you turn the camera like 45 degrees, any direction from where you're watching, there's just piles of snow and they were constantly shoveling and clearing Wow. And there are like um like as they're running to the train, if you look in the background there's certain uh like structure r- certain roofs that you can see like the piles of snow that they, they didn't get to. Really? Um so that was it. Um Boston commentary talks about like how he couldn't do wide shots of that, like this expensive town they built from scratch. You could do any wide shots of it cuz he didn't want to get the the snow in the background. Mm-hmm. But the whole finale like the snow's in the background. Yeah. So I'm like, you should have just done the wide shots, man. Like, I wasn't even thinking about the weather throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it may be a situation where you could even readjust the story uh, yeah. a little bit. I don't know. And there's some, like, day-for-night stuff where, um, you know, there, there's whole scenes that feel like it's in daytime, and he talks about they shot it at night. 
and he just filled the room with a ton of light and um yeah filmmaking is pretty cool power of movies brother um and then i also watched bottle rocket um <laughs> where this one's a little more understandable because it's an indie movie but <laughs> yeah uh so in the credits of bottle rocket uh you know meticulous like very specific wes anderson um you know he kind of has a signature font from that era and somehow it flip-flops in the in the credits so you know it'll show the director of photography and then the next one will have the font uh myriad used um <laughs> then it'll go back to uh futura and then it'll go back to myriad for another credit i'm just like did someone so this is the the director approved restoration for criterion right when it was in theaters it was an optical like this movie was came out in 96 so they're probably still using optical plates for uh credits and text yeah so someone like carved out a screen that has that font on it right 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 with that size and height and width and everything so i'm like back then he probably used the whole the same font and then for the criterion one you know it would be easy to if it, if it was like messy or had dust on it they would just the easiest thing to do would be to type it out. So I'm like, did the criterion people just like not do a thorough job, but also the package comes with a Wes Anderson approved. So hypothetically he has watched like every piece of this movie and given his seal of approval on it. So, so he must, he must be fine with the myriad text. So wait, so though, but so that text on that criterion restoration has been digitally redone for the criterion. It release? might not, it might still be the opticals. Cause here, cause here's my theory is one, cause it's an independent movie. If that's still the optical, same optical title and whatnot, it may just boil down to, well, this is what we can afford. And it's just something they're not possibly looking at. And also Wes Anderson did notice it. And he became so enraged that he made the most symmetrical, most perfect, most dynamically engaging on a visual level films you'll ever see because he missed it that one time. Yeah, I, I imagine <laughs> they would. It must be the original film. Um, I'm just surprised that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's it's it a goof. That way. It's yeah. a goof. <laughs> I can't imagine someone's someone a Criterion is just like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get out at six. I'm just going to type this out. And... I love the idea of the Criterion offices being like timed up, like lunch, yeah, and they... then I'm like clocking out time. Yabba dabba do. <laughs> they wanted me to get this spec off of James L. Brooks's name, and um, yeah. And I told them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> like, well, I got to retype it. Um, what font does Wes use? And like, well, he hasn't emailed back yet, so just pick whatever because we got to get this out the door. <laughs> I can't imagine that's a thing. Um, but yeah, then I, like, I listened to the commentary on that one. Mm-hmm. And I was, su- I, I was surprised I'd never done it before because they talk about a lot um, about the failed test screenings they had of mm-hmm. the movie. And the commentary almost feels like they don't want to be there. <laughs> um, like they're over it. Um, and they just kind of hate talking about it because they have to talk about the, the horrible test screenings they had. Um, and James L. Brooks is on the behind the scenes featurettes talking about how, you know, he hired them to write a movie and it took like two years for them to write a script and they spend a lot of money on their offices and um, they drag their feet a lot on getting it together. Um, and Wes Anderson did more work picking out swatches and like designing the production design of the movie. And so you'd go in the office and all the walls would be covered with just like design ideas uh, more than writing the script. 
Um, and yeah, so once they finally got something together, um, they made the movie and then it took like a year of post-production to go through like test audiences that didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a rough, uh, it just took a long time to make Yeah, for an indie film. It's, 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 I have not watched it in a long time, but I have to imagine it's a situation where like, it's obviously your, it's, it's your first film. It's your, it's your first step up there. I know Martin Scorsese put it on a list of like his top of the year that year. And he gets you, gets you a little bit more clout on top of like just whatever response and reception you get. And that's how you get to make Rushmore, which obviously is much more refined and meticulous even than Bottle Rocket. Cause Bottle Rocket is meticulous as far, as far as I remember, but it also doesn't feel like any other Wes Anderson movie you end up seeing down the line. Yeah. It's a little rougher, but, um, it still has a lot of his trademark stuff, stu- trademark stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know. Um, yeah, that that's it for me, I think. Okay. Y- yep. Yep. What'd you watch? Um, well, I didn't talk about it last week, but I did watch Color Out of Space, uh, the return of Richard Stanley to the filmmaking world. Um, yeah, I really, really liked the movie, but I am fully aware that my love of that movie is 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 on a bit of a biased curb because it's amazing that they gave Richard Stanley a ton of money to make a Lovecraft movie with Nicolas Cage doing whatever he wanted. And I applaud that decision because that was the best decision you could make. I, I thought the movie was fantastic. Um, it's not... It's weird. It seems like it's the most mainstream of Richard Stanley's work and that's and that seems like an insult to it because it's still working off of Lovecraftian, you know, themes and visuals and stuff and like this and the story is, you know, if you don't know the story, it's, you know, the the family living out in a farm and then uh a meteor hits and it starts consuming them and driving them all mad and um people people meld with other people and people go mad and uh, Nicholas Cage has alpacas. It's 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 pretty cool. I mean, like I like the idea of it's a family who has actively decided to retreat from the material world, but they still have all their material baggage with them. Um, and Nicholas Cage, like I I read some reviews where they're saying like, well, Nicholas Cage is just doing his nuts thing and it's getting tiring. And I'm like, no, he's a dorky dad who then goes nuts. That's the point of the story that's being told. So it's actually like. It sucks because Nicolas Cage has this reputation behind him from bad movies and like over the top performances that when he is doing the correct thing, people can't recognize it. Um, like in Mandy, it, the two kind of meld really well together because that's what the purpose of the movie is. In Color Out of Space, it's easy to blur that line. Um, but I, and I also love the finale. I think I, I loved how it just went bananas. Um, and just, it, there's a there's a wonderful homage to the thing in there with a lot of alpacas mutating into shit, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I would definitely check it out on VOD if you can get the if you get the 4K disc, just crank that sucker on late at night and just embrace the madness. Um, uh, but moving on to stuff I saw this week, um, I finally rewatched Bride of Reanimator, um, which is the sequel to uh, Stuart Gordon's Reanimator. I had never seen the sequel before, nor have I seen the third one yet. I will see that one soon. But Bride of Reanimator, um, it's it's fine. It's 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 an it's a sequel to Reanimator. I like watching Jeffrey Combs do his Doctor Frankenstein stick in the form of Herbert West. Um, but 
What's funny about this, Brad, I, have you seen it before at all? Have you seen the first one at all? I did, but I don't remember it well at all. Okay. Um, to to quickly recap Reanimator, Herbert West and um, his partner Dan try to make uh, dead bodies come back to life with Herbert West serum and chaos ensues, and uh, uh, they end up murdering a bunch of people and then a, a headless uh, doctor who um, uh, is trying to steal Herbert West's ideas goes mad and tries to... Uh, push other dead people out on um <laughs> on Herbert West and Combs and just create madness and it ends with Dan's uh fiance or Dan's girlfriend character um dying and him trying to bring him back to life but cuts to credits so we don't see the full result this the bride of the reanimator opens in a uh I'm assuming a war zone in uh either Vietnam or in South America in either case, it looks like a Rambo movie, and they're doing reanimator shit in what I'm assuming is a Rambo movie. Um, it just it, there's a great five minute sequence of them like trying to revive soldiers as part of their test, like soldiers who are wounded and never dead. They'll put the serum in, see how they react to it, and then when they don't react correctly, Herbert West just shoots him in the head <laughs> and just says like, "Well, that's another soldier that didn't work for our purposes." But I guess basically they get. They Herbert West comes to a discovery about something else regarding the experiment, so they just leave the Rambo setting and just go back to uh, the hospital scenes of America. And the rest of the movie is them trying to create a life out of various body parts with Herbert West serum, all while being tracked down by a detective whose wife was one of the dead people that Herbert West brought back to life in the first movie. Uh, and... Uh, there's a third one called Beyond Reanimator, and I don't know how. I'm, I'm curious to see how it ends up because Herbert West uh, is crushed to death at the end of this one. Um, but Ryan told me that it was not as good uh, going in, and he's not he's not wrong. I think that the finale is fantastic in the sense that the director of it is uh, um, Brian Usna, the guy who did Society, and a lot of ideas visually uh, in terms of creatures that are like different body parts that are kind of like just you know creating like ridiculous uh creations ends up being perfected in society where it's a bunch of rich waspy aliens that meld together in goo and have orgies so you know i i recommend bride reanimator it's on prime so it's free you're not losing any money over it um i personally would love to get the blu-ray of it and uh listen to some commentaries on it if there's if there are any um I went to the uh, Alamo and I saw Come to Daddy, um, which is the new Elijah Wood movie from Ant Timpson, uh, who directed Turbo Kid. Um, Come to Daddy, it's about Elijah Wood plays this kind of privileged kid who gets invited to um, visit his father uh, who lives out in the middle of like a uh, I want to say it's like a coast home. Like it's like off the coast of something, but it's like buried deep in the woods um, in the East Coast. And uh, he gets there and his father's kind of weird, is acting strange as if though the son, uh, he doesn't actually know his son and he doesn't know that that's his son or something's uh, something's off when he when he's interacting with his dad. And then um, there's a thing that happens halfway through or I want to say actually about 20 minutes in that kind of changes the whole intent of the movie. Um, it's pretty good. And I like the sense of humor that it has. Like, it's kind of like a pulpy, kind of like grimy mess of a movie. Um, and Elijah Wood is fantastic in it. My problem is, is that the last 20 minutes of the film peter out a bit. 
and a lot of the impact that was there at the midway point is already gone, but there's still some really inventive kills in the movie. Um, uh, not the least of which is one that involves essentially a monologue while traveling, while walking down an empty road. And it's pretty fascinating. Um, and in, in terms of what it's trying to do as a story about a son reconnecting with his estranged father is pretty, it seems mature, more mature than it should be. <laughs> um, so it's kind of like the, the, the height of the thematic element doesn't match the movie they're trying to make. Um, but it, it's worth it. I'd check it out. It's one of the fantastic fest selections that they did. Um, I did a, I did two fitness cinema sessions. Uh, one was on Ghost Rider from 2007. I had not seen this in a while. I kind of go back to it every so often thinking, well, maybe this isn't as bad as I remember it was. And then I'm always proven wrong. Um, this is the Nick Cage that I don't like. <laughs> um, Spirit of Vengeance is way more fun than this one. Um, but I got to burn a bunch of calories on it. And then today I did a fitness cinema session on The Notebook, which I had not seen in a long-ass time. And I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first time. Um, you know, it's a melodramatic romance, period romance film. Um, doesn't really, uh, you know, like it, it the, its purpose is quite clear of what it's trying to do. Um, but I like the performances of all the actors involved in that movie. So they're, they're almost elevating the material beyond what it should be. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if, if you haven't seen the notebook, I mean, it's probably too late to convince you to give it another shot or a shot period, but I, I, I had fun with it and I did an hour on the elliptical machine on that, which is not easy. So, um, or at least I don't know if it's easy for others. Anyway, though, the last thing I saw though, um, I've been watching a bunch of Futurama too. Futurama is great. Um, I'll talk more about that next week, but the last thing that I want to talk about is hands down the greatest thing I saw this week, hands down, like even, even better than come to daddy, even better than anything I've just been talking about. I watched Frogs from 1972. Uh, it's on a Scream Factory double feature uh, disc. Uh, Ryan pre preempted me with this, uh, saying that this movie was goofy. And I think he was underselling it. And I want to dedicate this review to Ryan. Because what I'm about to tell you is that Frogs is, is a story that could only be told in mafia language. <laughs> um, the story of the film is that uh, Sam Elliott, a young mustacheless Sam Elliott, is um, uh, uh, finds his uh, way into the lives of this rich Southern family where the patriarch is Oscar-winning actor Ray Moland. <laughs> um, and the the character he plays, Jason Crockett, is a crazy Southern man who's lost the use of his legs and does not like the uh, sound of the noise that the frogs make in his uh, around his big-ass Southern mansion. So he's been instructing all of his employees to poison the frogs in the surrounding areas around his swamp nonsense. Uh, Sam Elliott, right, as a nature photographer, says, hey, that's not a good idea because you're going to hurt a bunch of other animals in the process, right? Uh, and, you know, Ray Milan says, shut up, boy. Um, and then, basically, nature starts hitting back. But it takes a while. And when it takes a while, you get to learn all the different pointless lives of this southern gentry that is going down the tubes there are characters in this film that are connected to each other that i didn't put together until an hour into this 90 minute movie so like the lineage is ridiculous and convoluted and doesn't matter um so one by one frogs are basically commanding the forces of other animals around to kill people uh in a way that i think is very clever you know in a mafia movie where 
essentially they go to you know rough up a shopkeep and tell them that you're like you're gonna pay us money for protection and then they say well why would i do that and they go well sometimes accidents happen and that's exactly what these animals rely on in order to get their revenge because every one of the humans in this movie flat out meets their demise because they either trip (laughs) uh manage to get stuck in somewhere where accidents can happen like poison bottles are dropped on the ground that mix and create a chemical gas um, or just the fact that, you know, you accidentally stumble upon a gator and you wrestle that gator. And by the way, you can see that the mouth is shut on that gator with one of those ties so that you could properly wrestle it. Like that's the beauty of a Blu-ray transfer. Um, and then when it's all said and done, you know, Sam Elliott and the remaining family members that aren't jerks get away. And, um, we are left alone with Ray Milan, the man who poisoned the environment to start with. Now, t- up to this point, the frogs haven't really been in, in on the killing themselves. They've been kind of like the generals and like snakes and spiders and alligators are their army. And uh, at the end, Jason Crockett left alone in his house listening to old timey uh propaganda America nonsense records. Um, suddenly, the frogs start coming through the windows stopping his music and one by one proceed to knock him out of his wheelchair and just consume him and cut to the end movie was fucking fun it's not great a lot of fun it's one of those move it's one of those it's so bad it's good movies like hands down and in the grand scheme of a nature strikes back kind of movie and this is pre-jaws by the way so it's not even like trying to it doesn't even go off of the jaws momentum of like when animals attack this is just straight up an ecological message, but it doesn't work because a lot of the footage is like B-roll of these animals before they start combining it somehow with a minor effect that can kill the actor on screen. Uh, but it's admirable, and like I would totally rewatch it again. And as far as Blu-ray transfers go, it's Scream Factory. They do a great job. The print on this must have been terrible because I uh, fr- freeze-framed three different times where you could see a break in the film or the tape in the film to connect broken parts of the film. Um, and I have pictures and I'll post them on the Instagram page, but, uh, yeah, frogs. Wonderful time. I really want to do a commentary on it. It is a lot of fun. So yeah, and that's all, all I right. watched this week. Uh, I actually forgot. Uh, I'm so movie centric. I, I watched TV shows hmm. too. Um, I watched the fourth season of better call Saul oh. and, um, yeah, so we're finally getting to the good part where, like, the, the show's been good already, but we're finally seeing him, like, really get into becoming Saul Goodman. Yeah, where he's, like, finally taking break, form. Breaking Bad. So, yeah, um, so um, that's pretty good. Like, he really, like, starts to, um, like, play people um, in fake sincerity with a lot of people. And it's really kind of sh- shocking. Cranston hasn't been on it yet, has he? Like in a no. full capacity? Okay. Uh, and then uh, while that's happening, Mike is becoming more involved in uh, uh, Gus's operation. Mm. Um, and uh, it's really kind of heartbreaking what he goes through with uh, the German engineers uh, that build Gus's operation. Mm. Um, but he had it coming because, you know, the rules are clearly laid out and he broke them. So, um Mike had to do what he had to do. I love the logic of like adhering to the moral code in the Breaking Bad world. <laughs> uh, the, like, yeah, you fucked up. <laughs> the him, Mike and Gus went through a lot of trouble to like yeah. hide their operation and like insulate them from getting in trouble, and 
the the lead German engineer really like does everything he can to screw that up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that show's great. And then Picard, um, I'm oh. still following, but it's it's losing me. Um, mm. uh, like four episodes in, I feel like we're still kind of just setting things up. Um, the, the actual plot isn't really taken off, and um, uh, there's just like some weird tonal things. Like one of the characters calls Picard JL. Mm. Like that seems like something that it's it's weird. <laughs> it's you know what it is. It's it's like when you're like you're new to something and you're just like, yeah, I was watching that Star show Star Trek: Next Generation with JL Picard. Like who? Yeah. <laughs> Um, no <laughs> get out <laughs> like I, I i understand like his character's mellowed out since like the first season where he's very like rigid about uh right his place in in starfleet but and like now he's not in starfleet so it kind of makes sense but it's just weird like i can't imagine anyone getting away with calling him jl except for this character apparently um maybe he didn't hear <laughs> he's old <laughs> um yeah i'm just like i'm just kind of wondering like where this they, they each, each episode kind of introduces a lot of new characters, but I'm not like sure as far as like the, what the plot is, mm. um, what like what it's trying to go for. And it's not like a situation like even the first seasons of Next Gen where they're just like you know we're getting to know these guys. Well, those are all self-contained, episodic. Yeah, like, this that's... is all serial, so it's like this is one story that you're yeah. kind of like, cool. Now, like now, seven seven of nine's in here. So, but she's like at the end of the episode, so like next week. You kind of get to figure out, like, why is she here now? I'm wondering if you could do episodic Star Trek anymore and not, like, you know what I mean? Like, where the stuff self-contained, like, each episode? Yeah. And well, maybe do mini arcs every so often? Yeah, or do if, people if, need serialized? If, if people write a single theme for each episode, yeah. Yeah, I mean... You can well, do it, but people don't... People are afraid to learn from, like, message-based stories anymore. Like, yeah, um, that's sad. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of like waiting for it to actually do something and, and stop introducing new elements, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's what I watched this week. Um. That's what we watched this week. Yeah. Uh, Corinne wrote in. She's got a uh, catching the classics is back. Ooh. So I think she watched Police Academy, but let's listen to what she says. Hey nerds, Corinne here for part 32 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my review. And I know that the last time I did this was several weeks ago, and at the time I said that I was going to watch The Graduate next, and then of course, like, a two-month break happened, so I figured it would be better to restart Catching the Classics, even if it meant that I didn't watch The Graduate next, so... This week, I watched Police Academy. The first one. Yeah, never seen it before. And overall, I have to say, meh. It was okay. It was all right. There, 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 were, there were moments in it that I enjoyed. And uh, I really liked Hightower. And I liked Hooks. Um, I thought they, they both had like nice little kind of long-running storylines, or not long-running, but, you know, just kind of recurring storylines within the film, and they put, they definitely put a lot of emphasis onto um, Steve Gutenberg's character, which, understandable. I thought it was interesting that Kim Cattrall got first billing, 
And her character doesn't really do much. Like, even as, like, a love interest for, um, you know, Steve Gutenberg's character, Mahoney. <laughs> I said his name so much, I can't believe I forgot it. But, um, yeah, even as a love interest for Mahoney, she didn't seem to be in the movie that much. It was kind of bizarre. But, um, yeah, and the whole, like, the reoccurring things with the different little side characters. So like there were, there were definitely good bits and, um, didn't really care for the whole commandant gets like a blow job or something from a hooker during the presentation. That was, oh, that was just gross. Um, yeah. Um, on the whole, like I thought it was an okay movie, the whole thing at the beginning where it's like, they've opened it up to everyone and I'm, you know, anybody of any sex, gender or race that I'm like, okay, I can understand why they have limitations on weight, maybe not weight itself, but just like they need people who are physically fit. So it's like, if you can't complete the physical aspects of the academy, then obviously you can't be a police officer. But if they were previously not letting people become police officers based on their race or their sex slash gender, then that is a huge discrimination problem and they deserve to get sued. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, overall, um, I'd give it three out of five stars. And I actually would, I would be willing to watch some of the sequels, so if any of you have an idea of which of the sequels I should watch, like if there is one of them that's better than the others, let me know, because I, I would be willing to watch more. Um, I think this was um, a good way of like setting up different characters that I would like to see later, but maybe not in the police academy setting so much, but yeah. So, yeah, three stars. Um, next time, I think I'm going to do, um, guess who's coming to dinner. I found it on Netflix earlier. Didn't realize it was on there. So I think I'm going to do that next because kind of need a little bit of a drama since I've done two police related comedies in a row. So yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's kind of weird to be back at it again, but um, sorry, I took such a long break and it might be intermittently at this point, just depending on my schedule from week to week. So if it happens that I don't have a catching the classic next episode, don't freak out. I'm just going to do it as my schedule allows, but I am trying, I am going to try to like be better about doing it every week now that I'm off break officially. So Awesome. Thanks, nerds, and uh, talk to you all soon. Bye. Well, Corinne, you could listen to a couple weeks back when I talked about watching the other Police Academy movies. And uh, uh, But I'll, if you want to save you the trouble of that, I will tell you that it is much like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have to watch everything in order to understand what's happening at the finale. No, no. Don't listen to him. He's wrong. <laughs> um, I will tell you that um, Callahan isn't in the second one because they have um, Tackleberry fall in love with a very similar character who's not her. I need to rewatch these movies. Um, Bobcat Goldthwait is in two and three. Uh, David Spade's in four mm -hmm. um, as a skateboarding punk. Um, and then uh, I think by the eighth one or seventh one is Mission to Moscow. Um, it's just Hightower, Tackleberry, 
Um, I forget what Mike, Michael Winslow's character's name. Um, I think that's it. Hmm. I think I'm forgetting someone. Yeah. At any rate, her next uh, review on Gus Who's Coming to Dinner, I will very be looking forward to because that's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. So, yeah, that brings us to uh, our movie of the week, Do which we is Sonic to? the Hedgehog. Yep. <sighs> we have to talk about it. We have to finish this episode. Okay. Zach, what did you think of Sonic the Hedgehog? Um, I, I want to, you know, I, I, there's no way to be delicate about it. I did not like this movie at all, and I don't recommend it. Um, there's there's a there's there's a lot of me that like I'm not a big video game fan like I mean I've played a Sonic the Hedgehog game but I'm not like immersed in whatever universe it has I don't even know if it has an immersive universe I'm assuming it does because enough people cared about about it to go to this movie and you know props to them if they like the movie that's their own deal um but there's a point in this movie where I'm like why am I not watching this movie why am I getting this other movie that's going on right now um, I think that the VFX team on this film is the real heroes of the movie because they redid uh, that entire character design based solely off a bunch of people complaining. Uh, and I understand why they're complaining because the looks are completely different, but it feels weird uh, watching that Sonic the Hedgehog look as cartoonish as it does next to James Marsden. So it just seems a little too unreal. Um, and I will say that the one positive acting thing in this movie is like, I did like watching Jim Carrey be goofy again. Uh, and not even in a Burt Wonderstone way where he's kind of like playing it in a darker mode. Like this is straight up what we saw in Ace Ventura, uh, Jim Carrey kind of thing. So that was like fun, but I don't know if it was worth the movie we watched. So no, I don't recommend it. Brad, should people watch Sonic the Hedgehog? Uh, well, what I think of it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 as I was watching it, I just kind of wanted to not watch it anymore. Um I really struggled to sit through it. Um, I really don't like the type of humor that's like very topical and like makes references to things that are only going to be famous like this week. Yeah. Um, so if you if you end up watching this movie years down the road, it it's going to feel out of place. Um, again, yeah, props to the VFX people for changing Sonic's design. It looks great. Um, the effects for the most part throughout the movie do look great. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the story is very derivative of, po- uh, the, uh, detective Pikachu where you've got two characters, uh, thrown together that don't like each other and ha- come together to come together and do like each other at the end. Um, everything else in the story seems very arbitrary. Like, um, you know, it's to some extent, yeah, it's, it's a, a hedgehog from a fantasy world like of course things are arbitrary but i feel like it could have done it could have created a more cohesive world where things like made sense um to each other um and jim carrey it feels like like i enjoyed him especially as his post-credits version of eggman yeah um but everything else it feels like well we're paying for jim carrey so he needs to do classic jim carrey stuff um yeah. so yeah there, there's just scenes dedicated to showing him being goofy um, which aren't unappreciated by me at the very least, but like, I get why they don't like, they, they, they aren't like relevant to the story of Sonic the Hedgehog. As far as I can tell, like is Robotnik supposed to be goofy in the cartoons or the game or whatever? Or? Yeah. I, I was trying to like, obviously this movie is very little like the game. Um, and we'll get in spoiler territory. We'll talk about that more, but, um, um, 
And I just lost my train of thought. Dang it. No. I what mean, were you saying? No, I was I was just wondering like if like does like do you need to dedicate that much time to Robotnik and the oh. silly antics? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I I remember watching because there have been several iterations of the cartoon. The one I watched in the nineties is the one I remember the best. And I'm wondering if that is where the humor comes from. Hmm. Um, I don't remember what it was really like, but I, I, as far as like this is not the game. Like very little of this movie is anything from the games that I remember, so it must be from the shows. Okay, like his attitude and everything. All right, whatever. Because in the games he doesn't talk. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, like, like I said, like I don't know the universe of Sonic, and I don't pretend to. And again, like that might make my review bias to a, or like, like it's. I'm coming off of this as like a, a total novice. Like with Detective Pikachu, I had pretext for it. But like that's the issue with any big franchise film is just like if unless you have pretext for it, your appreciation for it is going to be tested when you're walking in that theater. So, yeah, it makes sense that somebody like me may not like this because I don't dedicate my world to video games. You you are a little bit more knowledgeable in that realm, so you might know a little bit more. But. Yeah. So yeah, the biggest thing was like I just did not care for the humor. It's the movie sense of humor and like Sonic just never stops talking. Yeah. So. Anyway. Yeah. Here's the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers, so I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. Ow! Let the plate Sonic! Let the pitcher's mount also Sonic! Ugh, I can't with that guy. Uh-oh. Uh... Why are you hiding out in my garage? They're coming for me! If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Good morning, my rural chum. Mr. Dr. Robotnik. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> this can't be happening to me. Oh, my God, stop the car right what? now. What? The world's largest rubber band ball? We got to see it. No, this is not some fun family road trip. <laughs> eh, you're right. It was lame. Gift shop was cool, though. Whatever this creature is, I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah, hey. Ah! I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them! We gotta lay low. Let me show you how it's done. So should we get out of here? Yeah, time to go. I always want to do this. Nailed it! Uh oh. Let's go. Here comes the boom. How are you not dead? I have no idea. Oh! Give me a big fat break! That was an illegal left, by the way. Oh, this one is cute. Let's keep him. Oh, come on! You've got car insurance, right? Why would you throw your life away for this silly little alien? Good time. He's my friend. Let's go! This is my power. And I'm using it to protect my friends. Let's go! 
You're supposed to be Tom's best friend that he won't shut up about. Well, I don't see the appeal. That is very gross. Let's go. So I got really excited when the movie starts out in Green Hill Zone. Yeah. In Why am I not watching that movie, Brad? That's the movie I want. Yeah. Why? Um, There's like a like an eagle bird thing or whatever. But then you know. find out Sonic's mo- like adoptive mom is an owl. Um, Which, hey, cool. I don't care. They're in a world. Not the one I inhabit, but a world. A whole brand new world. And then his his mom says, like, there's these things that want to take your rings from you and harness your power. Oh, no. They, they want to take your special power that you've been born with. So here's a bunch of rings, and you can use them as teleportation devices. And just, you know, stay on the move. Yeah. And, and then like, he ends up on Earth. In the game, he clicks the rings to just stay alive. Like, they're not portals. So I'm like, that's an interesting change. Is that the game? Or is that on the show at all? Or I don't remember the show. Okay. Like, uh, but the game, like, you know, when you run out of rings, like, you die. Yeah. And you have to start over. So I'm like, turning them into a teleportation device is interesting. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he hides out in Montana. <laughs> he's, he teleports to Montana when he's young. He hides there and, uh, he's lonely, um, but he's afraid to get close to anyone. So he just, uh, tangentially, uh, ad- like picks a family, Which- James Marsden's family and like watches TV through the window. Yeah. He's basically a stalker. Yeah. Which is like, I'll t- I'll, t- I'll say this on the film. Like. There's a there's a part of me that's watching all this unfold where he's narrating the lives of James Marsden and uh, Tika Sumner's characters, and I'm just like, okay, I don't necessarily want that movie, but it's ten times more interesting than I'm than what I'm pretty sure this is going to go down with, and it turns out to be that story that I thought of, which is, it's the movie Hop, where James Marsden has to travel with a CGI character to get them to their destinations, whatever they may be. Um, in Hop, it seems much more inventive because it's the Easter Bunny who wants to be a rock star. In this, it's getting him to San Francisco because his ring bag got lost when James Marsden tranquilized him when he was trying to make a transport yeah. to a mushroom planet. So Sonic creates a power surge mm. um, that alerts the oh, government. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. And Dr. Uh, Doctor Robot- Robotnik, which is brought in backstory he's brought in begrudgingly by the government (laughs) yeah apparently he's been working with the government he's just a random scientist Mm -hmm. um he has a clear superiority complex cannot stand anybody a lot of childhood issues um so yeah uh yeah uh james marsden helps sonic lose his rings they have to go to san francisco because it must have been the at the amherst location with the most tax credits yeah for the movie um, I thought it's something for Robotnik though, because he's like he's one of those guys who can't stand bullies. Like, well, you either li- you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, because <laughs> that's basically what he becomes. He becomes a bully himself. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the humor is, I like irreverence, but it just feels like this is really forced. Like I know we were complaining a little bit about the humor in Doolittle. Um, but there's like a understanding that like, oh, it's, this is clearly for kids. I'm I, not I can't exa- remember specifics after four or five days. Yeah. I saw it. So, but I'm like, I, see, that's the thing. Neither can I, but I'm just like, but I remember there were moments in the film where, uh, Ben Schwartz as Sonic, which uh, for, 
in defense of Schwartz, he's giving an okay performance considering what he's got to do with the material he's given. Because I know Ben Schwartz is funny. I've heard him. And that's his shtick. Him doing that, like, kind of, you know, annoying guy, that's his shtick. He did that on Parks and Rec. He's done that on podcasts that I've listened to. I know he can do it. And that's one of the things that he's talented with. But I was just like, yeah, but these this just these jokes just seem really pointless. Yeah, and a lot of the conversations between him and Marston are just like how they've wronged each other. Yeah, like, and then at, in the middle of the movie, they decide to recreate the movie The Bucket List all inside a really weird, rough and towdy bar, and... Yeah, they ape the Quicksilver scene from X-Men. No, they do that twice. They do yeah. that twice in this movie. Um, and there's like... Here's a joke I remember. Because of that Quicksilver gag, he's like, you know, fixing everything so that it'll all go back to normal. And a guy is wrapped up in toilet paper, and he's a toilet paper mummy. Now, I'm not against a toilet paper mummy joke. That's funny, but it's just like, okay, like, is this supposed... I'm not sure if, like, I don't know what Sonic the Hedgehog as a movie is trying to do to get on my side. But again, I may not be the audience for this movie. Like, it's okay if you like this movie. It's not like a crime against humanity or whatever. Yeah, it's fine. If it's It's like most... Uh, like safe kids movies yeah and it's and i mean like i'm just trying to understand like i i guess i'm trying to understand where the appeal is like from a from like from a from a trying to middle ground and be like okay like what is this the cartoon because if it is the cartoon maybe i can rewatch it with that in mind and maybe watch some of the cartoon and be like okay maybe it's on the right track or whatever but if I'm looking at it objectively as like if I like let's say my nephew's old enough to go see this movie and I take him like I'm not gonna take him to this movie <laughs> like I, I I would objectively not want to do that like my sister could choose to do that I won't <laughs> um and yeah, yeah it's, it's all like very surface level like uh, they do try to put in like this emotional core where Sonic is so lonely he just wishes he had a best friend yeah which I mean like it's not it's not terrible to have that it's just why is this in the Sonic movie? Like, why, why is he not in his weird alien world doing adventures there? Yeah, I wish, you know, you start the movie with that world. Why not go back to that for the finale? Yeah. Like, like, that, like that, write your script so he has to go home. Yeah. You know, otherwise you might as well just, like, not even have that prologue. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, it has almost no effect on most of the plot of the movie. Yeah. And, like, so the road trip movie... It, I guess I understand from the perspective of like, well, how do you do a live action Sonic movie? But here's my ultimate question. Did you need a live action Sonic movie? Why didn't you just do a CGI cartoon movie? Like Paramount has their animation norm. I know they're not really doing well with properties. That might've been a great way to go. Yeah. It's not like Sonic looks, looks hedgehog like, accurate. Yeah. No. Um, it just, yeah, this totally could have been more just like a cartoon. What I imagine the Mario brothers movie is going to turn out to be. Yeah. Which, that sounds like a good idea. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, But, hey, I guess they made the right decision because they made a bunch of money this weekend. Yeah. No, again, like... People turned out for it. Yeah. If, if, if you like the movie, that's cool. I just... We... I guess we're just on the page of we didn't get it. Yeah. I was just annoyed with the humor most of the time. Just like, oh, God, that joke. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, he has chili farts. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I genuinely recommend the movie Hop over this. And Hop's not a great movie either. But, I mean, it's 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 ten times more enjoyable. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel bad for James Marsden. Like, he's in The Notebook, too, and he's, like, the guy that gets, uh, tur- like, turned away in favor of Ryan Gosling. 
So I'm just like, is James Marsden just really good at being the guy that nobody wants? Because <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> like, somebody should give him a really cool role to do. Um, and also, this film, like, the whole time, and and I granted this is kind of like a, you know, a, 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 a point against it going in. But the whole time I'm watching the animation and Sonic um, and that redesign, like, and it looks cool. Like I said, it looks cool. But I'm just like, man, like, this didn't change anything. That, that redesign changes nothing from this movie. So I don't understand what battle was won. Like, it, 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 there's no battle that was won with that redesign happening. Like, if anything, if that original design stayed in there and then this movie comes out, it probably would have still made the same amount of money because people would have just gotten used to the look of Sonic in that new way. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, uh, next week we're seeing the invisible man comes out next week, sir. Okay. Well, wait, no, wait, no. So what's the bigger movie that's coming out? Oh, oh, the invisible man is a big movie, but that's not, uh, that's not this week. That's the following week. Next week is, yeah, I guess there's not a lot of stuff next week. I guess, uh, the call of the wild. Do you want to do call of the wild? I think maybe Ryan will want to see the boy too, but if he's not going to be in these episodes, I'm not going to pick that one. I mean, I'll check out the boy too, but I need to check out the boy one. I have not seen the boy one. Uh, maybe Emma. I don't know. Oh, Emma. That might be fun. Get Corinne to come on and talk about it. Uh, but yeah, the Invisible Man is the following week. Yeah, so. Invisible Man is the following week. That is a big release that week, Brad. It is the biggest one that week. It's Lee Wannell. And then onward after horror. that. So yeah, yeah. I guess we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We always do on the show. We find a way to see any kind of movie. Heck, we just reviewed one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, until next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.